To honor the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm going to do this show standing on a counter, <laughs> shirtless, while crying. And John, I hope you join me. I will join you. You know what? I'm, I'm going to take my shirt off right now and get up here and join you too because uh, why not? I mean, let's let's thumb our noses at our, our buddy Lavelle and all of the curmudgeonly guys out there and, and, and celebrate the great job that we do on this podcast. Like, why not? If you can't celebrate that, what can you celebrate? I, I, it, I can't think of anything in American life more worth celebrating than this podcast. But I might be biased. Uh, I'm also biased because I've been watching the Timberwolves since 1990. And anytime they get a chance to celebrate, they should freaking celebrate because you don't know when the next chance to celebrate is going to be. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, they have been few and far between. The whole uh, act like you've been there before thing does not apply to these guys because they barely <laughs> they have, have ever there been there before. So <laughs> that's that's the whole thing. Like, what can you expect? So, you know, you know, just like let them have their moment. They, they, they this is new to everyone, not and not just the players like to there's there's people who have worked in the organization for more than a decade that have had one kind of little bite at the at this apple with with Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler and, and all of that, but this is a totally different vibe. And so I just think, uh, you know, just, you know, I, I don't blame any of them for celebrating it because a, it's been a long time and B, if anyone knows how fleeting success can be, it's these guys. And so, uh, they went a little crazy with it. Uh, more power to them. I'm going to actually get deeper and I'm going to get the telestrator out and break down the post game celebration because I think I found the, linchpin it's just like oh. you know hey just like uh, you watch the nfl shows and they say hey the left guard pulling here is what made all this happen uh, i'm going to really break it down for you i'm also going to talk about Shaq and charles but we're actually going to talk about the actual basketball because the timberwolves have a fascinating seven game series theoretically seven games against the memphis grizzlies and it's really an interesting matchup we're going to get into all that uh this is john the john krasinski show this is part of talknorth.com this is our timberwolves and nba show of course uh, leaning on John's expertise. Check out all the shows at talknorth.com, variety shows, outdoor content. I think the best sports lineup in Minnesota. And we have new, now Mike Grimm's on Go Gopher podcast. We have the On the Bench guys doing a really funny hockey podcast along with all of our uh, our stalwarts across the lineup. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. We do recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen and it's free. Uh, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thanks to our many sponsors, uh, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. Yes, you will get to hear John talk about Manscaped later. We usually save that for a, a late show highlight. But, you know, but so we weren't going to get to the Grizzlies. But I will also say this, you know, it, whenever something like that happens, the postgame celebration, and you have the reaction of Shaq and Charles, you know, it, it becomes this big thing. I really think the whole postgame thing really came down to Pat Beverly uh, being so emotional because it was a playoff game, because he's put so much into this team, because it's against the Clippers. You know, he thought re- disrespected him with the contract. I think if, you, if Pat Beverly had, you know, been ill and not shown up to the arena that night and they win in much the same fashion, I don't think there's that much of a, a post-game celebration. Beverly goes nuts, jumps on the counter. Uh, you know, Ant, who's 20 years old, follows him by jumping on the – I don't think Ant jumps on the counter if Patrick Beverly doesn't do it first. Patrick Beverly runs around, screams, cries. Nobody else really did any of this stuff. It was really just the Pat Beverly show. It's a great point, Jim. Uh, he, he has been their kind of emotional leader all season long, and I think certainly in this case too. And obviously 
a lot of it stems from the opponent. He played for four seasons for the Clippers. He feels like they moved on from him and and sort of discounted the contributions that he made um, to them. And so uh, there was obviously a lot of emotion. I saw that Steve Ballmer, the Clippers owner, was sitting courtside right behind the Clippers basket. And there were a couple of times during the game where Pat Beverly uh, kind of mean mugged him and he has, and, and, and Pat has some really still good friends on that team with Paul George and Reggie Jackson and Zubots and Ty Lue, the coach, he's got a lot of respect for. And so, and the other part of it that clearly came out in the post game uh, look at this was um, that Pat Beverly, when he first arrived in Minnesota, he said, you know, I, I've never missed the playoffs in my career and I don't plan for that to start here. And he absolutely sensed some skepticism in the crowd from when he made those statements. Understandably so, the Timberwolves never make the playoffs. And so he kind of, I think, got caught up in the moment in terms of he said that he was going to do this. He had a big role in doing this. And the way that he did it was conquering his former team to do it. And so not only did he jump on the scorer's table, and you're right, Ant, I think, followed his lead in that regard. But afterward, after taking his jersey off and throwing it in the crowd and doing all those things, I mean, he was weeping. Like, yeah. he was very emotional. He was you know, hugging his mother who was there and watching too. And this is a, a guy who is in his 30s who I think maybe – is starting to hear people say, um, you know, how much does he have left? This and that, and and he turned out to have an incredibly influential, important uh, role on getting this team to where they want to go. And I think it all swept over him. And from a big picture standpoint, beyond that, Jim, like my whole rebuttal to Charles Barkley and Shaq and you know who I think were generally more playful with it than yeah. than than mean spirited and to Lavelle or to LeBron James who was out there do, you know kind of clowning them to uh so the ESPN guys Stephen A Smith did it and um and and kind of like made fun of the Wolves and stuff one of the major criticisms that you hear from old heads about the NBA these days is guys don't care you know, uh, back in my day, every game meant something and you, you slugged it out against your opponent. And too many of these guys just don't care enough these days. They make too much money and it's just, it's not, it doesn't mean anything to them. Clearly in this case, it meant a lot, both to Patrick Beverly, to Anthony Edwards, to the fans in the stands, to so many people in the Wolves organization, like they cared about this. They, it it really did resonate with them. They wanted it really badly. So now what? Do do we say that they wanted it too much? Now, I, I just don't see how you kind of swing from these guys don't care enough to, oh, no, 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 you're caring too much now. That's that's the big problem here. So that's, I, I think, I thought J.J. Redick made that great point on his podcast that way. That was what I looked at too is it it, it really – was a burning desire for Patrick Beverly to get that victory. And I think that is a good thing for the NBA, for the Timberwolves, for pro basketball, for pro sports in general, to see these guys who care so much kind of wear that on their sleeve. To have a play-in game, which sounds like a, a throwaway thing, 
you know, mm-hmm. oh, oh wow, you get to play the playoff game. Maybe even then you get to play. Uh, to have a playing game played at that high level, the Clippers played great. Paul George yeah. is great. Ty Lue coached his ass off. Uh, the both teams played with incredible intensity. To have a playing game be played out at, of that caliber, that much emotion, I think it's great for sports in general. A hundred percent. And and let's like let's put all of this in perspective too. This is exactly what the league wanted when they made this change to a play-in tournament because the one of the major problems with the NBA schedule is it's too long and so at the end of a regular season you have a lot of teams that have given up and are tanking and are just trying to get as many lottery balls as you can and there's no real I mean sometimes there's a few races for seven and eight for eight and nine, like all, or jockeying for position up a little bit higher in the standings, but it can make for a slog toward the end of the year. And so the NBA wanted to change this up. They wanted to add some competitiveness, some spiciness, some reason for teams to stay in the hunt. And then, so now you had the Spurs making their late season charge to get up over the Lakers. Now you have, um, otherwise, Jim, like, the, the Wolves were four games clear of the Clippers in the standings, seven and eight. Like, if in a normal season without the playing tournament, like, there would have been none of this drama. There would have been none of this that goes in. And you can say it, it's probably unfair to the Timberwolves that they even had to play that game. It totally is. But the reason that they made it was so you would have a moment like that. So you would have players getting crazy, the fans packing in and losing their minds um, for a you know game that should not have even been played, that, you, that was, quote-unquote, would have been meaningless otherwise. And so you get that. Not only that, you also have TNT putting it on national TV. Charles, Kenny, Shaq, Ernie, guess what? Like, you did the pregame show for this game. You did a halftime show for this game. You're doing a postgame show for this game. You are clearly making this an important thing. And so to kind of come on afterward and laugh at these guys for making it important to themselves when you have built an entire broadcast, a national TV uh, window out of this, this content, it's a totally hypocritical thing to do. And so like, that's the other juicy part of this, or it's like, come on guys, like you are literally getting paid. I don't know, thousands and thousands of dollars to do your job, to just broadcast this game um, because the NBA wants it. And the NBA wants to make a big deal of it. You are making a big deal out of it. And then they have fun and they're excited. And you say, well, why are you making such a big deal out of it? Uh, very good point. I want to get more into that. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Manscaped. I'm sorry. Let's start off with Head Flyer Brewing. Uh, John has his own beer, and they will not give me my own beer. And I'm a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. It's uh, it's super exciting, man. Like, did I ever think I was going to have any kind of a, a role in in a beer um, it, it, that's being actually sold publicly? No, I didn't. So Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis, my wife and I have been going there for years. We've recently uh, developed a relationship with Talk North and, and with the John Krasinski show um, for the super cool brewery right on Hennepin Avenue in Northeast, right, uh, right off of 35W North. The guys there and I met a few weeks ago and wanted to put our heads together to make a beer 
for that's Timberwolves related as they got into the play-in and then into the playoff. And the beer that we have come up with is called Crunch Time. And it's a little play on the mascot. It's a little play on playoff atmosphere, on the importance of these games. And it is a really good, easy drinking beer that hopefully you, you can sit out on a patio someday here soon at, at head flyer and enjoy it. It's not snowing outside and, and, and not cold, but uh, it's think of it as blue moon esque. It's really crisp. Uh, it's got some orange flavor to it. Uh, you do, it, it's a blue moon without the orange essentially. And, and so um, I really highly recommend going in, getting yourself a pint. They have some new wolves dish themed t-shirts that are super cool. Um, and they also rec- uh, this weekend coming up, have their fifth anniversary party, to celebrate five years in business. So Head Flyer Brewing, get yourself some Crunch Time beer or any of the other great beers that they have there. Tell them the John Krasinski Show sent you. B-Y-O-O. Bring your own orange. (laughs) Exactly. This is so good, you don't even need your own orange. But what you should know, Jim, is that Neil and the folks at Head Flyer really loved your thoughts of a bitter beer. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll Suhan, be in super bitter with you. Suhan, yeah, super bitter. We we might like that. I mean, right now, Wolves don't have Wolves fans don't have a whole lot of reason to be bitter. But you got to figure that's coming around the corner eventually here, too. And I think that's uh, that's where you can come in maybe later this summer with uh, with your own super bitter. Uh, I will start taste testing some very bitter things. I will. Uh, I will start. That's taste just in testing. your mouth in general all day, isn't it? Yeah, so. I'll, I'll start taste testing arsenic, and we'll see how it works <laughs> out. Uh, but we wouldn't do that, to Head Flyer. Thanks to Head Flyer. All right, thanks also to TSR Injury Law. By the way, this week uh, my show blocked me with Jim Suhan. Our guest was Steve Terry. Uh, sometimes he comes on this show. I wanted to talk to him because he sat courtside, better seats than A Rod and Mark Laurie and Len Taylor for that epic. And and by the way, John, uh, Steve Terry told me that Rich Ruin and his partner and buddy sitting next to him, uh, who's on camera all night, by the way, ended up actually having a long discussion with the refs about the uh, double technical call. So that, oh, man. That's, that's a lot of fun. Check that out. Thanks In general, thanks TSR Injury Law. As Steve always says, all you have to remember, if you're hurt, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME, they will take good care of you. Thanks also to the people at Memorial Blood Center doing such important work in our community. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. So here's here's my last uh, note on the celebration and the reaction to it. Uh, first of all, it, it really goes to what I think of the Shaq and uh, Barkley and Ernie and Kenny Smith show. I think it's one of the best shows on television. I think it's it a is. blast. Ernie's fantastic. Charles, I think Charles and Shaq are great entertainers. And I think Ernie's a great MC. I think they're great entertainers. I don't think they're basketball analysts. I don't they think Chuck has che- I don't think Chuck knows anything about modern basketball. He still thinks that Carl Anthony Towns, who shoots 40% from three, just stand under the basket. It's ridiculous. You know, Shaq thinks and Shaq does the I was great. Uh, you, everyone should dunk over three people on every play the way I did it. Well, nobody else was your size or your skill, Shaq. 
Uh, so it's, I thought it was great entertainment. I just don't take it seriously as basketball analysts. Yeah, it, well, and as, especially, I, and this is going to sound provincial, and I know Timberwolves fans say this, but I, I do agree. Like, I really do not think most of these guys have paid any attention to Timberwolves basketball for a very long time. Probably rightfully and why so. why would they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rightfully so. But especially in this case, you know, they were critical of Carl Anthony Towns, and that's okay. He was terrible. Yeah, he like, deserved it. That, and so that. But, like, a lot of their, their content on the basketball part of the criticism of him in that game and, uh, and for this season is that he shoots too many threes. He doesn't shoot that many threes right now. Like he, he doesn't he, shoot enough threes. Exactly. He's ta- he has he has changed the way that he has played to take the ball to the basket a lot more and be a lot more aggressive there. It has generally worked very well for him. He's had an all NBA season. He has been by far the most consistent and reliable and and great player that the Wolves have had this whole season. He was playing a bad game, but even in that game, he didn't take any threes. Like it wasn't that he was just sitting back at the perimeter and chucking. He was going into the lane and he was getting flustered because he wasn't getting foul calls and he was flailing and throwing up just like really undisciplined shots in the paint, in the mid mid range area near the rim. And so like, that is the part of just like, what are you watching here? Um, because it's totally counter to what you are actually saying. Maybe several years ago when he was shooting 10 threes a game, you know, maybe you could say, okay, we want to see you down there a little bit more big fella and get, get, get more into it this season and this game, he has been ultra aggressive and super, um, you know, paint oriented and drive oriented. And so, yes, the, 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 the argument is Cat, you're such a good shooter. Spread the floor, stick back out, and let it fly out there. Especially when you are getting the uh, 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 you're going against a team that is physical and maybe following you, following you a little bit more than than is getting called or whatever it is. Like, just take them outside and, and work around them that way. So, um, yeah, when when they do those things, when when these guys who again, I agree with you, Jim. It's in a fantastic show. Their chemistry is better than any studio show ever they play off of each other wonderfully they they are willing to criticize big names yep. and they don't they don't cater to anybody there are no sacred cows but when they get into the weeds and analyze teams especially teams that are not typically on the national stage that's where they get exposed from an x's and o's from a institutional knowledge standpoint they just don't have that no, that's exactly right. Uh, and and let, now, okay, let's turn the page uh, and let's talk about the Wolves' opportunity to celebrate while playing the Memphis Grizzlies. I think it's a fascinating matchup because I think these teams like going against each other. Uh, and here's the thing. If you're going to end up playing a number two seed, you want it to be a team like the Memphis Grizzlies who aren't incredibly talented. They just play well. It's not like – I mean, the Wolves have as much talent or more talent – which gives them a fighting chance here, I think. You tell me what you think. Yeah, I, I think it's that. I think in terms of, of talent level, they match up well, clearly, with Memphis. The other thing that you worry about with a younger team uh, getting into the playoffs for the first time in a while, Carl Anthony Towns, Patrick Beverly, and D'Angelo Russell was in a series. T- Towns was in a series. They've barely been 
in the playoffs at all. Um, so you you worry about a team like the Wolves going in and really not being ready for the stage and and not not being experienced there and maybe going up against a more veteran team that has more experience and just is more aware of the moment and how to handle it. And and the Grizzlies don't have much more experience at all than the Wolves. They were they were in it for a cup of coffee last season. And um, and so all of their guys are really young and not exactly battle tested either. So that that advantage for the Grizzlies is not there the way it would have been if they played the Suns or the Warriors uh, in the first round, maybe even Utah. Um, if they drew that or drew them in the first round, uh, there's there's not that experience edge that their opponent has on them. So they're going to go in. These two teams are going to go in on a very level playing field. And so from that aspect of things, I mean, I think it's a I, I think it's a good matchup. The Wolves have absolutely wanted or preferred this matchup clearly over the Suns. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you look at X's and O's, when you look at strengths and weaknesses, um, you know the Grizzlies don't shoot a ton of threes um, and don't make it at they make them at a very high clip. John Morant is sensational, but the one thing that has given him a little bit of problems in the pick and roll defense is exactly what the Wolves do the best, and so they are going to go into this series. Still the underdogs, but absolutely believing that they not only could take this thing deep, but they could actually win the series. And I don't think that that is an unreasonable stance for the Wolves to take. Agree completely. Uh, let's get a little more into the series. I want to thank our producer again, Brandon Morton, a uh, big part of TalkNorth.com. Also, let you know if you like live music, my band's going to play on Saturday night at the Eagles Club down on 25th Street in uh, South Minneapolis. Check out my Twitter feed or my social media for details. Doors at 8. We'll probably go on sometime in the 9 o'clock hour. We're playing between Petty Larsonists and Nato Coles and the Blue Diamond Band, a great local kind of punkish pop uh, rock band. Uh, they've been operating the area for a long time. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, let's go ahead and thank Manscaped. Let's uh, get to the highlight of show, John's Manscaped commercial. Fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning using the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. After clearing your nose, make sure you get rid of that foul ball smell with a crop preserver and crop reviver. Crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and the crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. And the start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, 
and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. Good stuff there. Hey, uh, think about solar as a home improvement project. We're heading into the spring, allegedly, and summer, allegedly, uh, building and remodeling season. When considering property upgrades for home or business, solar should be under consideration. Here's some facts to consider. Most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves until the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warranted for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the original cost. Uh, and Hey, it, if you do plan to move at some point, installing solar increases your resale value. Consider that and check out the options you have at allenergysolar.com, allenergysolar.com. Uh, so John Morant, I, I find it fascinating and, and certainly a credit to the, the Grizzlies coaching staff that John Morant is both one of the best players and mo- most entertaining players in the NBA and the Grizzlies win even when he's not on the court. I'm not sure I can wrap my head around that. It's incredible, Jim. It really is. Uh, he is so freaking good and so fun to watch. And, I mean, when you put a list together of, like, appointment viewing type of players, he's right near the top of it with the energy that he brings, with his explosiveness, with his swagger, with all of that stuff. I mean, he's he's just great. If he played a little bit more this year, he would absolutely be a top five MVP candidate with how much the Tim- the Grizzlies has won- have won and with just how the leap that he has made in his third season. But um, in an un- unbelievable turn of events, uh, he has missed, I think, 22 games. And I believe the Grizzlies are 20 and two in those games. And that is a credit to Taylor Jenkins, the coach, who will get coach of the year votes and a lot of them. It's a credit to our guy, Tyus Jones, who has just stepped in and been in an unbelievable floor general for them in big spots. I think he has set a record uh, again this year for lowest or for best assist to turnover ratio. Um, And it's amazing because Tyus and Ja are so diametrically opposed as players. Like Ja is a physically overwhelming uh, athlete, player, uh, skill set wise, all of those things. Just like everything just leaps off of the television screen when you're watching him. And you're just like, that guy is, is an alien out there. Tyus is undersized. He is not going to dunk on you he's not going to leap up and and block a shot with both hands and pin it against the glass um he's not any of those things but what he is is a precise point guard an incredibly smart one who knows exactly where everyone needs to be knows how to run an offense and knows the positions to be in defensively so he doesn't get exposed on that end as well And so to see the way that he takes the reins and runs things in an entirely different way than Ja does, but that they are both incredibly successful and the Grizzlies literally do not miss a beat and maybe like just from a sheer winning percentage standpoint are better with uh, with Tyus running the show than Ja. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's a super cool thing to see happen. It's kind of like in the NFL when maybe you have a pocket passer who sits back and 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 throws and strafes 
and then he gets hurt and then you bring in a super mobile guy who who is running around and 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 um and and scrambling and 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 keeping people on their heels but the opposite way with with Tyson Ja it's 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 an amazing thing it, it really is uh should, now listen the wolves have plenty of depth and McLaughlin's been really good and Noel kind of plays a, a combo guard position and does it very well should should the wolves have any regrets that they let Tyus get away well, I mean, the the thing is when you um when you have two max contracts like Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, you have to make other decisions with your roster. And I think that they wanted Tyus Jones to stay, but they wanted to get him on the cheap. Um and they were not able to do that. Uh Tyus Jones and Kevin Bradbury his agent got um a great offer from the Grizzlies. And at the, I do, I will say at the time, the Timberwolves were surprised that Tyus got that offer. Uh, I think it's eight, eight, uh, eight million plus for three years, uh, per per year for three years to uh, to go to Memphis and be the backup there. And that surprised the Wolves. They did not expect a a, a, a number that high. And Tyus has gone there and fulfilled that and and been worth that and more. So I think he's going to be in position in this offseason to really get another nice, really big contract. And whether it's a starting caliber or a high-end uh, backup salary, he's going to be making a lot more than $8 million next year. Um, but it, the Wolves, to their credit, have done well without Tyus. They they pivoted. They brought in Patrick Beverly. Jordan McLaughlin has been really good on a very bargain basement salary. They have Jalen Noel to uh, serve as more of a combo guard type of a situation. So they have depth at that position that has allowed them to weather the storm and to, and to weather the loss of Tyus Jones. And so when you look at the, the, the situation here with the Wolves roster, and if, you know, there are other holes, there are holes on their roster. There are places that they can be better, but uh, I don't think that you look at it and say if they had a much better backup point guard, if Tyus Jones was still here, they'd be markedly better than they are right now. Um, I just I, I don't think that's the case. So um, I thought he, I think Tyus has done really well for himself in Memphis and 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 that and has helped the Grizzlies immensely. And I think the Wolves have done enough at that position, whereas they don't kick themselves for not matching that offer three years ago and, and keeping him around. Still remember going to see Tyus as an eighth grader playing in varsity game for Apple Valley at Burnsville. And through three quarters, I was like, okay, nice player. Yeah. I, I get yeah. why people are excited about him, but he really hadn't done anything. He just kind of ran the team, ran the offense, made shots when he's open. Uh, but you know, he wasn't like a highlight reel. And then they were behind and the fourth quarter came and he started hitting 25 foot three pointers with people in his face and driving the lane and, you know, and, and, kicking to people you didn't think he'd kick the ball to. And they're like, okay, now I really get it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like I, and this is absolutely not like a backhanded compliment or anything like that. Cause it sounds like, well, you when, when, when we talk about Tyus Jones, you know, you say, well, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that, but he's a cute little point guard. He's not, he's not a cute little point guard. Uh, he is a, like a, 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 a winner and, and, that sounds kind of hokey, um, but it's not because every teammate who has been around him gravitates to him and he finds a way to relate to everyone and to make them feel as if 
he is making their games better, which he does. And so with Tyus Jones at point guard, the show is not about him. It's about what he's doing to make his team better. And that makes him a remarkable leader. Ja Morant loves him. Carl Anthony Towns loves him. Jimmy Butler loves him. Everyone across the spectrum just really enjoys playing with him. He is a leader extraordinaire that way. And it's and and that is a skill. Like that is a talent that needs to be appreciated. And it's not minimized to say, well, be, you know, he doesn't dunk. And but he's a great leader. That's not that's not saying you know she has a nice personality. No, that like like the talent that he brings in that regard is undeniable and elite. And so that's what has gotten him through from Apple Valley to Duke to the first round of the NBA draft to the Timberwolves to the Grizzlies and playing at a high level is he is elite at that leadership, at that feel for the game, at that instincts kind of a level. And oh, by the way, when you need a big shot, if he's taking it, I feel good about it. Like, I really, I I think that, and that's, um, you know, he may not be Ray Allen uh, across the course of a season in terms of uh, shooting percentages and, 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 and volume and all those things, but in a big moment, when he has an open look, I want him shooting that because I think that he just has this quality about him that rises to the occasion. Uh, Duke would agree with you. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Hey, let's, uh, let's get into towns now. Uh, You know, the Clippers threw exactly the right defense at the right time against him. What do you expect out of him against Memphis and how do you think Memphis approaches him? Yeah. Well, I, I, I I expect Carl Anthony towns to play really, really well. Um, he, he was terrible against the Clippers. There's no question about it. It was like a regression to the old towns and a lot of the old demons came up the, the flailing, the, uh, arguing with the officials, the just frenetic energy that I think was a minus to his team in a big moment. Um, all of those things happened and it was hard to watch and he deserves the criticism for that performance. Uh, it was the two year anniversary of his mom essentially getting, you know, going uh, in her very final day before they had to pull the plug and, and let her go. So maybe he had some other emotions that were involved there. Um, and I think that that was probably weighing on him, but all in all, He just was not good enough in that game. Against Memphis, it's a much better matchup for him. He routinely plays Steven Adams right off the floor. Steven Adams is a very important part of what Memphis does from a defensive standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, from a toughness veteran standpoint, but he cannot handle Carl Anthony Towns. He just hasn't been able to stay with him out on the perimeter, um, and, and he hasn't been able to handle all of the things that Cat can do to make life difficult for him. So you have that Jaron Jackson juniors had an unbelievable season. So you might see a little bit more of that uh, matchup straight up, but I expect towns to come into that series and be a focal point of the wolves offense and be much closer to the super efficient 
really important role player or not role player, the really important star that everything kind of revolves around with that offense. And so um, you, Memphis is just a really good matchup for the Timberwolves in general. I think it's a really good matchup for Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe it's not a 35.15 rebound game for him, but it's it's orchestrating, it's it's opening things up for others, and it's getting his buckets when he needs to get them. Uh, I feel really confident that all of that is going to be coming back in this series. And I admit I am guilty of bearing the lead. If there weren't wasn't all this funny stuff going on, we what we probably have spent a lot of time talking about today is Anthony Edwards at the age of 20 playing like a superstar. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to like wrap your mind around. I don't know what, what kind of a moment this franchise is at right now in that regard, because the way that he took that game by the throat on Tuesday night, when towns was clearly not in the great headspace. Um, when Patrick Beverly was very emotional, uh, when the, the Clippers seemed to have an answer for the early punches that the Wolves were throwing, it was Anthony Edwards who wanted the ball, who attacked, who made big shots, who was too much for anyone to handle. Marcus Morris, Paul George, Norm Powell, Robert Covington, the Clippers are one of the teams that should be equipped to handle or uh, to make life difficult for Anthony Edwards. They did not do that because they could not do that. And to have a player like that who at 20 years old has a gleam in his eye for the spotlight, has a sense of the moment, and absolutely wants to dominate you it's what the timberwolves have never had um not since kevin garnett and even when garnett was here it was a different kind of domination that garnett had and so obviously anthony edwards is not there yet in terms of that consistency in terms of you know the the all of the things that he needs to do to become a star but when you see him have moments like he had on that in that on that stage in that game on Tuesday night you start to think about the possibilities of what he can become and there is no ceiling for what Anthony Edwards can become uh he can be an MVP candidate he can be a first team all NBA he can be the type of a player who when you are in a series you know that you have the best player on the floor um and that's that's the possibilities. Again, he is not there yet. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But all of the tools, physically, mentally, makeup-wise, leadership-wise, charisma-wise, all of that is there for him. And so now it's up to Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves to develop and cultivate that in a way that helps him get to the points where he can get to because that performance was an absolute monster from a kid who was told that he didn't care about this league, was told that he didn't want it enough, was told that he, you know, that it was all about uh, football for him and, and, and stuff. And that's why you maybe shouldn't draft him. And he just 
that 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 shoe print that he left on the on the um on the scores table when he jumped up there like you might as well have put that in all of the narratives surrounding him kind of leading into the draft and and him stamping all of those out because this kid man it's it's just electric to watch him when he feels like he has it going and when the crowd is in the palm of his hand it's it's a it's a franchise changing type of a talent that they have on their hands and um it's going to be just so fun to see him in his first playoff series now no doubt about it and hey we uh we frequently and when i say we i mean i frequently uh pick on teams when they mess up the draft uh the wolves could have screwed up the Tarleton Towns pick. Uh, everybody loved Jaleel Okafor early on. Uh, and I know Flip liked Okafor before he started really doing his homework. Uh, they got that one right, and they got the Anthony Edwards one right, and that's why they are where they are now. Yep, it is. And, and you know, these are the decisions that in the in the past they have messed up. Um, they haven't they haven't gotten the right guys. They haven't they had either either that or they've had bad luck with them and it and it hasn't worked out. And so to hit on two guys at, when when you're at number one, um, the, the when you are when you're in the number one spot, that means you were terrible the previous year, and you cannot afford to miss because who knows the next time you're going to get back up there with the lottery with all of those things. And uh, so a credit to Flip Saunders, a credit to Gerson Rosas, who um, yeah obviously was fired right before the season, but they both made very difficult decisions because you, like you said, Jim, like in both of those cases, it wasn't like LeBron at the top. It wasn't like a clear cut, no way you have to choose this guy type of a situation. It, it was a little more that way with towns. I think that which was more of uh, indicative of the guys behind him than, than towns himself. It was absolutely not that way for Anthony Edwards. Um, there were a lot of cases for LaMelo Ball, for James Wiseman and all of that. And Gerson Rosas and Sachin Gupta, who was who is there now, was involved in this. And, and a lot of the front offs, they stuck to their guns and they went with Anthony Edwards. And that was a difficult pick and they crushed it. And so um, you, when you're in those spots, you absolutely just have to hit it out of the park. Or otherwise, you're going to be right back up in that one, two, three, four, five range again for more and more years going. And as they stand right now, because they did the right things with those picks, you have to think it's going to be a long time before they have another shot at one of those. Great stuff from John. This is going to be a lot of fun to do this show during a playoff, a seven-game playoff that might lead to another seven-game playoff. Thank you for listening to The John Krasinski Show, and I do recommend going back and listening to John do his manscaped ad.